being at church, does that mean I've got to wear something with a pocket? Because to wear that, what I call a Madonna mic. Um, I don't know if there's a proper name for it. He's like, no, just use the handheld mic. I'm like, oh, good, because it's such a dress day. And looking around, I can see some other people agree with me. So if you're wearing a dress or I'll even go as far as a skirt, can you just stand up for me for a second? All the dress and skirt wearers of the day. Okay, and what I want to do is just do a quick count to see how many dresses and skirts we have here, okay? So you just say one. Michelle. Okay, 20. Oh, 21. 22. 23. Anybody else? Anybody else? Even a collot. Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> so 23. Is 23 the highest that we can get to? Oh, 24? Yeah, we can it out her. I was really, really hoping we would get to 27 because 27 Dresses is such a cool movie that I was hoping that we might be able to get to 27 Dresses, but we're that short. Very, very, un very, very unlucky. I actually love chick flicks. One of my favourite movies that I watched a couple of nights ago was Notting Hill. Um, I love that movie. Also love... Um, American President, While You Were Sleeping, another good one. 27 Dresses is pretty good. Um, and when I was growing up, there was a movie that I watched that had this actress in it. Can anybody tell me? Am I pressing this correctly? I don't even know. Where do I need to point? Ah. Oh. Ah, wrong way. Can anybody tell me who is this? Who is it? I don't know who said it. I heard Bette Midler from over there. And the movie that I loved growing up was Beaches. And in my mind, Beaches had everything that a good movie needed to have. You had some laughs in it. You had some deep emotional crying when her friend died. Oh, sorry. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Stacey, just forget about that. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really, oh. And then you have that song, Wind Beneath My Wings. That is such a tea-jerking song. I know, I'm with you, Car. You and I, soulmates. But there's a song that Bette Midler wrote and sang, I don't know if she wrote it actually, sang in 1991. I was 14 years of age. And I remember one particular day, the first time that I heard this, I was in a mini bus with our youth group. We were going somewhere that was a long way away. And this song was on repeat after repeat after repeat. And the very first time I heard this song, I did not like it. And I still not do not like it today. And don't fear, I am not going to sing it because I cannot sing. I'll just tell you what the chorus says. It says this, God is watching us. God is watching us. God is watching us from a distance. And the reason I have never liked that song is because it's simply not true. God is not watching us from a distance. And the Christmas story in Matthew clearly points this out. Let's have a read. This is the account of Jesus' birth in Matthew. 
And this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly as I just break this thing. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Oh, sorry. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this t- took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until the birth of a son, until she gave birth to a son, and he gave her him the name Jesus. Did you catch verse 23? And the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is definitely not at a distance. And the birth of Jesus demonstrates that really clearly. Because have a think about it for a minute. God with us. God, the creator of the universe. The all-powerful God. The holy of the holy one. The Bible, when people talk about God, they say holy, 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 because that's how amazingly holy he is, is with us. And how did he do that? By coming as a baby. But the thing is, this wasn't a bright idea that Jesus, that God came up with a few minutes before Jesus was born and thought, yeah, God coming with us is a good idea. From the very beginning of humankind, God has wanted to be with us. And what I want to do today is have a quick look through the Old Testament. We're going to do a bit of jumping. Jump through the Old Testament and look at some ways and some people and some things that show us that God actually really wanted from the very beginning of time a relationship with mankind. We're going to start with someone. And kids, this is where I need you to listen up. Or if the kids don't get it, then you guys can. Okay, the first people we're going to look at are the very first two people in the Bible. Adam and Eve, good job, Stacey. Oh, sorry. I'm a really, really bad throw. I'm a really, really bad throw. So just. If I'm throwing near you, just duck and watch out. Adam and Eve. And after and after um, Adam and Eve were made and they were in the garden for a bit, they, eat of, they ate of some fruit that God told them not to eat. And straight after that, we get this verse in chapter 3 of, of what is the name of the book? The book is Exodus. Oh. Genesis, I can't even read it when it's right in front of me. And it says this. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. I've read that verse lots and lots of times and then just move on and think of all the punishment that God gives to Adam and Eve. But if we stop and think about it, we see right at the very beginning, God is with mankind. The garden that God's walking in is exactly the same garden that Adam and Eve are hiding in. 
God is not off at a distance looking down at Adam and Eve and just wondering what they're going to get up to. He's actually with them. He's in the same garden as them. That, I think, is pretty amazing. We're going to jump forward in time and go to someone else. Okay, this person has, God says to him, you're going to have as many stars. Oh, Josh, you think you know? No, no, it would be the name, but a bit further on. Jacob. Abraham, good job. That's not, yeah, it doesn't need to share. Come on. Abraham. And in Abraham, in the story of Abraham, we see time and time again, God actually communicating with Abraham. And one time when God communicates with Abraham, he actually gives us a signpost. He actually gives us a hint of Jesus. And it's found in these verses here in Genesis 22, when it says, The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself. I think that's pretty good that God's saying, instead of I swear on the Bible, I swear by myself, which is no greater name you can swear on, declares the Lord. That because you have done this, yeah, that's what I felt like doing. <laughs> um, you have not withheld your son, your only son. And I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashores. Your descendants will take possession of the enemies of the cities, the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. That is not God at a distance. There is a God who is involved in what Abraham is doing, and not just involved in what Abraham is doing, but gives us a really clear signpost to Jesus. Because verse 18, when it says, and through your offspring all nations on the earth will be blessed, that is what Jesus accomplished. Okay, ready for some more chocolate? Oh, sorry, I gave it away. Isaac, yeah! Good job, GJ! Abraham gave birth to a son, Isaac. And then Isaac gave birth to a son. Who's the main son of Isaac that we follow through? No, no, Jacob? Yes. Who said Jacob? Who said Jacob over here? I'm not sure who it was, so I think it belongs to Sarah. To Jacob. And time and time and time again in the Old Testament, we see even God himself saying, I am the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. God is identifying himself with mankind, with his creation. He's saying, I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Isaac, and I am the God of Jacob. Again, God wanting to identify, God wanting a relationship with mankind. I'm just going to, I'm just going to tell you this one. Moses. Moses. Um, when we jump forward to Moses, I thought we're jumping to someone else anyhow. In Exodus, we get this fantastic version. So Moses has been in Egypt, he's killed someone, and he's run away. And then in chapter 3 of Exodus, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of the Midianite. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was burning on, the, on fire, but it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush did not burn up. 
When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, Mo- God called to him from the burning bu- from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Just imagine being Moses. You're tending your sheep, going along your business, and all of a sudden you see this bush. And it's burning, but it's not consuming itself. It just keeps on burning and burning. So you think, hmm, that's a bit interesting. I'll go have a look. And then it talks to you. And then not only does it talk to you, it says, I am God. No wonder he hid himself because he was afraid to look at God. What a great example of God coming to talk to mankind, to Moses. In this story, Moses, God goes on and says, hey, my people are in Egypt. They're stuck there. I want you to go and help them. God is not at a distance. And this clearly shows that even in the Old Testament, God was not at a distance. Let me jump forward a bit more. And Moses had led the people out of Egypt. And up until this point, we see that God talked to people, to individuals. But in these verses here, we see God actually revealing himself to all of Israel. The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day, because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. So no, no. Not anymore do we see God actually revealing himself just to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to a few. This is all of Israel. Every single one of them is surrounding this mountain and seeing God descend upon it, seeing God speak to Moses face to face. That is the kind of God that we serve. When we jump forward in the Bible, we're going to jump through the kings. We're, going to, we're in the promised land. Um, we have divided the land between the 12 tribes of Israel, and we're actually um, just living life. The Israelite people are just doing their thing, they're living life, and sadly, oh, I forgot, sorry, I forgot something, the, the t- Ten Commandments are given. And the Ten Commandments are a great example of God saying, this is how you can have a relationship with me. The Ten Commandments actually start with God saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. I am your God. And if you want to have a relationship with me, here's some things that you should do and here's some things that you shouldn't do. So the Ten Commandments itself is God saying, I want to know you and I want you to know me. Then we jump forward. I missed the Ten Commandments. That's pretty bad. We jump forward to a time where the Israelite people are just living life. They're just doing their thing and they pretty much forget about God. And they forget about God and so God uses something that we don't like very much. He actually uses suffering. He brings an oppressor in, normally another people group, to come into Egypt and uh, to Israel and take over them. And then the people are so distressed, are suffering so much, that they cry out to God, God, please, we're sorry, we, forget, we forgot about you, please come and save us. 
And God raised up what the Bible calls judges or deliverers. From among the Israelite people, he raises someone up to come and take over the oppressive power and to free the Israelite people again. And then Israel is so happy. They're like, yes, fantastic, God, you're amazing. We love you. We're going to serve you forever. And then time passes on and they forget again. And God does the same thing. He uses suffering. Do you like my picture of suffering? (laughs) He uses suffering as a way of drawing people back to himself, as a way of allowing the people to see without him, life isn't that great. And that draws people back to himself. Through the rest of the Old Testament, and I know there's a lot that the Old Testament that I haven't even spoken about yet, but the rest of the Old Testament, one of the main ways that God communicated with his people was through prophets. We have Jeremiah. We have um, Isaiah. We have um, Amos and Micah. And time and time again, God will raise up a prophet among the Israelite people and said, hey, guys, you're going the wrong way. You're not doing what God wants you to do. Repent. Turn back to God. Let him come and heal your land. Let him come and save you again. And the sad thing is that sometimes, oh, the good thing is that sometimes Israel heard and obeyed. The sad thing is that a lot of times they didn't. And so when we get to actually Jesus being born, Israel is down to two of the 12 tribes. They start off with 12 tribes and a whole heap of people. And because of their disobedience and because they didn't repent when God gave them chance after chance after chance after chance, we whittled away and Israel is consisted of only two tribes. But God never stopped calling. He never stopped saying, I want to have a relationship with mankind. I want to know you and I want you to know me. And then we get back to Jesus. God with us. But the thing about Jesus was he was fully man. He was actually a baby. He was helpless. I don't actually believe the whole away in the manger, no crying he made because babies cry. And I imagine that Jesus would cry too. He had to be fed by his mom and they had to have nappy chains. He had to, like he was helpless. But he was fully God. Not a tiny bit God. Not like mankind in the likeness of God. He was fully God. So when Matthew says Emmanuel, God with us, he actually means God with us. That blows my mind. And when we see Jesus' life, we see the miracles that he did. We see the things that he taught, even just the very life that he led, was all pointing to one thing. Come and know my Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am he, not so that I can stay here, not to get Rome out of your way, but to show you that God wants to know you and you can know God. In the Old Testament, there was burning bushes, there was God speaking, there was floods, there was suffering, there was all these things that God did to show the Israelite people that he wanted to know them. But the great thing is when Jesus came, it wasn't about Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. It wasn't even about the Israelite people. By Jesus coming, it means every single person can know God. Every single person can have a relationship with God. That's what changed when Jesus came. That's what changed when God himself came 
to live among us. I find that pretty amazing. And at Christmas time, I think that is an amazing thing to be able to celebrate, an amazing thing to be able to remember. Not that God is off at a distance watching us, but God actually came to earth and lived like we lived. He cried, he ate, he slept, he was heartbroken. He lived with us. Now, the sad thing is none of us experienced that. Because we're like more than 2,000 years later. And Jesus isn't here anymore. And we can look back in his life and we can read the Bible and think, wow, isn't it amazing that God came and that was fantastic. Wouldn't it have been great to have walked where Jesus walked and saw what he did? But we can't because he's gone. But the great thing is there's a verse in John that clearly points out that even today, 2,000 years later, God's heart is still the same, and that is to be with us. It's a, John 16, 7 says this, but very truly I tell you, that's not just even I want to tell you, but I very truly tell you, it is good for your good that I'm going away. This is Jesus talking. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus is saying to the disciples, you want me to leave you. You might not know that. You might think that all the miracles I'm doing or the great things that are happening are amazing. But you want me to leave you because when I leave, I'll send the Holy Spirit. And in Acts, we get the same picture. Acts 1, on one occasion while he, being Jesus, was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The fact that Jesus came to earth and died and rose again means that every single one of us can have a relationship with God, that we can know God and we can be known by God. The fact that God then, then Jesus then went up to heaven and sent his Holy Spirit is that each one of us can say, God is with me. That is God's heart. From the very beginning of Adam and Eve, when he first created mankind, to today, God wants to be with us. And the great thing is that we can know that God is with us. When things are going really, really great in our life, we know that God is with us. When things are going really, really bad, we can know that God is with us. And we can tell that great news to our families and to our friends and to our neighbours and to everybody that God can be with them. God is not off at some distance. God isn't just in heaven having a great time going, oh, look what Kara is doing, isn't that nice? He's actually with us. And that is what Jesus tells us. That is what Christmas reminds us of. And the Holy Spirit tells us that it didn't just happen 2,000 years ago. Even today, God is with us. Even today, God is calling people, come to me. I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with, with you. And the benefit that we have is that we can join God in that. That God's heart can be our heart of saying, hey, God can be with you. God wants a relationship with you. God isn't just distant. God isn't away. Let me show you who God is. The Bible, Jesus actually says that when I go away, you'll do greater things than I even did. 
Do we read the Bible and think, wow, what amazing miracles God did? Or, because, or Jesus did, but because of the Holy Spirit within us, we would do even greater things than what Jesus did. Because look how many is in a, with us in this room. We just look around. There's more than 24, because there's more 24 people wearing dresses and not everybody's wearing a dress. So there's more than 24 people here. We all have God with us. When Jesus came to earth, he could be at one point at one time. We have God with us everywhere we go, wherever we are, all the time. And that is worth celebrating and that is worth thanking God for. So let me do that right now. God, you are a great and awesome God. And God, we want to remember that you are an all-powerful God, that you are a holy God. And we are so amazed that you, as an all-powerful creator of the universe, holy God, came to live among us. We are so grateful that you sent Jesus. We are so grateful that you have such a heart for us and you so want us to love you and to know you that you do all that you can to draw us to yourself. Thank you for, for sending the Holy Spirit, God, so that we have you with us wherever we are and wherever we go. Amen. I know that Christmas sometimes can be really tough for people, that sometimes people feel like they are all alone. They have no family or the family they did have has passed away or is not nearby. But the message of, of the story, the Jesus birth, is that God can be with you now. And so what I want us to do really quickly is if anybody here is really feeling like either God is not with them, they don't know where God is, or they just, as we've got two more days to Christmas, if anybody here is feeling really alone and feeling like they don't know how they're going to get through the next few days, they wish they had a fast forward button that they could just skip Christmas and get to Boxing Day, um, why don't you stand? And what I want us to do is to have some people just gather around you and just pray that you will know that God is with you. The Bible tells us it is. It's truth. But sometimes we don't know that for ourselves. So if you feel like that, why don't you just stand and we'll get some people just to gather around you and pray that you will know and feel the presence of God with you during this season.